Without seeing the beam, it is impossible to be successful. When I look at the eight-year-old, I'm already envisioning what I want her to do when she's 18 at the Olympic Games. I am a big believer in intervention, and that is to prevent the feeling of failure. I won't let them go too far with yep. failure. I, I'll stop it immediately, but I still want those five beam routines. Welcome to the Gymnastics Growth Show. My name is Nick Ruddock, a performance gymnastics coach providing world-class education, events, and consultancy services to the international gymnastics and professional sports community. This podcast is dedicated to optimizing athlete and coach performance from grassroots to gold standard. Stay tuned to discover tactics and strategies designed to transform results for you and your athletes. Welcome to episode 14 of the Gymnastics Growth Show, where we're back for part two with international beam expert, Carol Angela Orchard. There were plenty of remaining questions for CA about her proven step-by-step -step process for teaching successful beam. And on another recent trip to Germany, we both caught up to dig into those details. In another value-packed episode, CA and I recap her proven five-step system to beam success. We discuss the concept of directionality, what it is, why it's important for your athlete's long-term difficulty value and routine composition. We cover training routines and the different scenarios that coaches are faced with throughout this process. We talk about what she does do, but also what she doesn't do when it comes to training being both technically and psychologically. And we also dig into her chosen way to collect data for beam performances. Plus, of course, way, way more. So here it is, episode 14, action-packed, high energy, Make sure you've got a pen and paper handy. So we're back, CA, uh, part two of a fantastic podcast series. I mean, the first one was a few months ago, I think now. Where were we? We were in Stuttgart, weren't we? Um, we've actually been lucky enough to spend time with each other since then. It's, we've, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Everywhere I go, you're there. Everywhere you go, I'm there. It's, it's been cool. great. So last week, or the week before, was Portugal. You were obviously in Portugal still last week. I was in Romania last week. And now we're back in Germany together. I had to make sure that we were in Germany for a minute. We are in Germany right now. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. So we won't keep it too long, but we, we said we were going to do a part two. There was a lot of questions that were still unasked, not unanswered, but unasked that we wanted to go through. So for the benefit of people that didn't listen to episode four of this podcast, which was the first one that we did, and for those listening, I'd encourage you to do that because there was plenty of gold from CA in that episode. Uh, let's just recap on your five um, pillars, maybe, or... Absolutely. The five areas that you look for in being your system. The whole system is based on setting the athlete up for success. And I have literally made it ridiculously simple to the point where she's eight years old or she's 18 years old. They can all comprehend it and they can make use of it. So the first thing, absolutely, they have to see the beam. Second thing, all takeoffs on beam are fast and every takeoff is vertical. So if you ever see the, the chest dropping anywhere in the beam routine, there's going to be a technical problem that results from that. Of course, they have to throw straight. Everything has to be straight on the beam. And the second most important thing, along with seeing the beam, is to stop the energy. So I have a very specific landing position that I want for every single skill. The athlete is taught the position, they understand the position, and they go to the position immediately upon impact with the beam. So are there any, any skills that don't fit within that system? Absolutely not. No. And you know what's fascinating for me? <laughs> We've worked together in a lot of different environments. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, don't take this the wrong way. It's predictable. I know when you're presented with a gym mask for the first time, I know what you're going to do with them because it's the same principles every time that you have to go through, isn't it? Yes. Um, and we we had, or well, you discussed the analogy, I guess, of of going to school and learning how to how to write first and yes. it's your ABCs, isn't it? It's just your absolute basic fundamentals. But I know that when you get a, a set of athletes, whether it's from a different country or a club that have never come into contact with you, I know exactly what you're going to do because it's always the fact she doesn't see the beam. Her takeoff position's wrong. And it's just missing that concept of how to think strategically about beams. And, and what's amazing is it's so simple to fix it. Yeah. And it immediately gives the athlete results. She gets excited and it empowers her. Suddenly she's got that confidence of, you know what? Beam's not so bad. Yeah. And yeah. that's my job is to get them to love beam. Yeah. Tough job. It is a tough job. <laughs> but you do it very well. Um, I mean, I'm the same in terms of simplicity. I've got a couple of concepts that I will teach. Many of them are the same as what you would teach on Bing. Vision is an absolutely important part of acrobatics that a lot of coaches miss. So it's not a difficult concept to ask an athlete to look at the floor on takeoff or look before they land. It's not difficult in its concept, but it's still something that isn't done. And it's not done consistently. Yeah, yeah. So they may hear you need to see the beam or you have to see a landing in order to stick it on, on floor exercise. So they hear it, they'll say it a couple of times, but it's not approached in a consistent way. Yeah. And that's what brings results. Mm. So I'll hear coaches say, yeah, I, I tell her all the time. Yeah, but you're not ensuring that it happens. And without that visual cue, it's impossible to be consistent and to be stable, especially on beam. Yeah. So literally the the whole visual part, seeing the beam, seeing the floor, seeing whatever it is that you're looking at, that it starts at seven years old, six years old, if you had like babies. Literally the minute a child walks into the gym. So if she's learning her first little handstand on the floor, her first little cartwheel on the floor, I've got her head in the right position and I'm instructing her to see both feet land. And I'll even go to stop the energy, like stop the, the motion at the end of the skill. So four h4 h5 it's not a difficult concept yeah so we do it literally from birth yeah it's just different obviously different breakdowns to introduce exactly. that relevant to the the age Absolutely. age appropriate drills yeah it's interesting and i guess once that's embedded with a you know if you're going down as young as a five six year old mm -hmm. by the time they get to nine ten they should well and truly understand those concepts and then you spend time teaching skills exactly and not what i call remedial coaching which is time spent fixing things and as a obviously you'll know as well as I do that a lot of coaching time is spent unfortunately fixing mistakes because things weren't taught right in the first place and it's so frustrating for the gymnast yeah, and yeah. and it, it's so easy to do it right the first time mm -hmm. you know the little tiny one she can go up to handstand against a, a block and you put little feet on the ground and she looks at those feet and she puts her feet on those feet yeah. I mean from age four or five let alone right up to a senior who's doing aerial cartwheel layout layout it's just such a simple concept that gives amazing results. Mm. And what's the consequence of not being able to do that? So seeing the beam, for example, first, what's the consequence of not seeing the beam? For me, they're never going to be as good as they could be, as, as their potential. But more importantly, they're fearful. Mm. And beam is, is instant failure. You fall off the beam, everyone in the building knows you fell off the beam and that's failure. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. It's the worst feeling. So without seeing the beam, it is impossible to be successful. Mm. And without stopping the energy, what's the consequence of that? They never have the stability. So they're hoping to get lucky. They might throw it well, they might see the landing, which is great. So they're halfway there. But if you don't stop the energy, if you don't have a very definite position that you want every single element, a leap, a pirouette, an aerial, 
amount, whatever it is, if you haven't instructed the exact position, then she's going to go to whatever is happening to her body and then go, oh, there I am. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, it's point one, point one, point one, point one, everywhere she, she is. So the E-score is never as good. But not only that, they believe beam is, is difficult because they're always struggling. Whereas if they have that, that one position, they see the landing, they slam it back into that one position, bang, they feel fantastically confident yeah. and successful. Yeah. So you've got your, your um, you call it a system, don't you? Beam system. Yeah. Five, five steps. Five steps, five concepts that yeah. you're looking for. Do you have a key set of skills as well that you would, that they're your non-negotiable fundamentals? So for me on floor, I'm sure they're similar. Mm-hmm. Um, for acrobatic development, floor and vault, you've got obviously a round off, a handspring and a fly spring. That's in one box. You've got a whip, a straight front, a straight back. And they're pretty much, of course, a flick. So they're, they're your elements, they're your fundamentals. And if you can't get beyond that, then there's no point trying to teach anything mm-hmm. else. <laughs> On beam, do you have a number, like five or six skills, which are your absolute fundamentals? Definitely. The whole line of directionality, where they do split leap, front walkover, cartwheel, back walkover, jump full turn, those are my basics. So that split leap is going to become the change leg or become the turge de half or switch split full. The front walkover becomes the free walkover. Mm-hmm. The cartwheel becomes the aerial cartwheel. The back walkover becomes the flick, becomes the layout. The jump full turn becomes anything that turns, including a triple twist dismount. So I am adamant about directionality because when I look at the eight-year-old, I'm already envisioning what I want her to do when she's 18 at the Olympic Games. So you have to plan ahead for that. And we get so many girls. Now they're juniors and they're preparing for seniors, and we want more connection bonus, and then they try to connect elements, and they have the wrong foot in front. So then you go, oh, well, it would have been great. And very few athletes from programs that don't teach directionality can do simple connections. So a a switch split or a change leg into a free walkover, that is such an easy connection. But so many girls can't do it because they've been taught on the wrong side. So directionality is all about finding out which way they twist first. Mm -hmm. So a little tiny girl comes into the gym, she's six or seven, and we find out which way she twists better. Jump will turn that way, jump will turn that way. We have all sorts of drills where they stand against the wall, they close their eyes, they don't touch the wall, and you call their name or you whistle, and they've got to turn around and run. Mm -hmm. You tell her it's a running race. How fast can you run? What you're really observing is, does she turn to the left to run to you, or does she turn to the right to run to you? So there's all sorts of little trampoline drills, running races, um, lie down on your stomach, have to roll over, stand up and run a race. Yeah, which so way did they turn? All yeah. you're watching for is which way did they turn. Twisting is a natural phenomenon in their head. Mm-hmm. They're either a left or a right. About 2% of gymnasts are ambidextrous, but most gymnasts are a definite left or a definite right. And then I teach everything according to that. So if you find out that she's a left twister, she'll do a split leap on her right side. So if you take a photograph in the air of the split leap, the right leg will be in front. Mm -hmm. When she lands, the swing through leg is left. So she'll go front walk over left. When she stands up out of the front walk over, she still has the left foot in front. Mm -hmm. She'll do left cartwheel. When you stick a cartwheel, your right foot is in front. All back tumbling is done with the right foot. Okay. When she comes out of that back walkover, her right foot is in front, 
Her left foot is behind, and she easily does a jump full turn to the left because we've determined she's a left twister. So all of that goes together beautifully. It's not impossible to do free cartwheel layout layout without directionality, but it's just so much harder. Mm. She has to land her free cartwheel, and then she has to spring up in the air, switch her feet in the air as she's flying into her, her layout. And that's a tough ask. Yeah. That, that's a difficult concept. Not impossible. Yeah, sure. But my whole system on beam is based on making it as simple as possible. And I, I tell every single person I work with, this is not the only way. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you it's the easiest, it's the easiest way. way. And quite frankly, the sport is tough enough. Why do we need to make it any harder? Mm, yeah. And especially beam. It's such a psychological event. And visually, failure is so clearly obvious that I don't want them to experience that. Mm-hmm. So my whole system is based on making it as simple as possible. Okay, so let's say that someone's doing the tests. They get they got a, an eight-year-old kid. She jump, does, does a jump full turn. She goes to the left. Mm-hmm. You go to the wall. You do your wall race. But she goes to the right. Um, you, she lies on her stomach. She goes back to the left when she stands exactly. back up again. And I'm sure this happens. It does happen. What would you do? So if she's a, a young one, I'll keep testing her yeah. every week. And I'll teach her both sides cartwheel. So I won't determine which side she is mm-hmm. until I'm absolutely sure. Most kids you can find out on day one. It's clearly it's obvious. But there are a lot of kids that are a little bit ambidextrous. Yeah. So I will take longer. We'll test her next week. Hey, you know what? We're going to train the left cartwheel. We're going to train the right cartwheel. Good for you. Yeah. We're going to train the left split jump, the right split jump. But as soon as we find out what she is, and we'll test her every week or two or three times a week. And again, she thinks she's doing running races. You don't mm. tell her left or right. And you don't want them to understand, oh, I write with my right hand, so I should jump full turn to my right. You never want them to know what you're actually doing. It's got to be natural. So I don't say jump to the left or jump to the right. I say go that way. Now go the other way, that way, that way, the other way. Mm -hmm. So they absolutely don't know what's coming. And then you'll see their natural twisting side come through. So until I'm sure, I'll have the child, and normally you're testing them when they're very young, I'll have the child do both cartwheels until I'm absolutely sure. And then once we've nailed it, that's it for her career. Some of the coaches say, oh, well, you know, her best split is this side. So we're going to teach everything on this side because it's her best split. Um, Flexibility is something that you work throughout their entire career. So if you have a little tiny person, you're working her flexibility all the way through. And it can change. You can Mm. be flexible on both sides. But your twisting is something that's dominant inside you. And you'll, you'll see if the kid goes the wrong way, she does a jump full turn. And it's not her her dominant side, her directionality side. It's almost like there's a magnet in her head. She almost like falls over to the side every time she tries yep. that, that direction. So we just want to make sure, especially on beam, but of course it relates to bars and to tumbling when they're going round off one and a half, yep. round off flick two and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's very important that you get it right. But especially for beam, I hate wasting time. So when she's eight years old, that split leap, front walk over cartwheel, back walk over jump full turn... That's the basics of the whole program. And then I'll know that's going to become an aerial uh, flick layout. Okay. And she's going to be able to connect it. Uh, switch split, free walk over aerial cartwheel layout. I mean, anything is possible once you have directionality. So it saves me so much time later on in the career when they're ready to do connections. So there's no real downside to doing this. For me, I can't imagine doing it any other way. And it's something that's taught in the FIG Academy. Mm -hmm. So if you go through the International Gymnastics Federation Coaching Education Program, Level 1, Level 2, and of course Level 3 in Brevet, that is the basics in the uh, FIG Academy Program. Nice. Cool.
I'm glad we've covered that because that is a big that is a big thing. Let's talk about routine preparation, mm. and this is definitely something that I reflected on after our our last podcast that we did together. I think this is really important for a lot of coaches to hear hear what you have to say on this. A lot of coaches will prescribe, let's say that they prescribe five B routines, pretty standard. So five on a Monday, whatever. Their gymnast will come in and basically they're not having a good day. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what your response is. Do you just keep going? And, and I, I kind of know the answer, but <laughs> for the others, would you keep going until they've stuck five? Because five is what the program says and five is what you've got to do, even if it takes 25 goes. Or do you do something different? I guess I look at myself. So when I see her fall off, I'm thinking, what didn't I get through to her? Mm -hmm. Because I only put in what they technically understand. If I see a fall, I'll make the correction immediately. And if she sticks it, that's great. Let's let's go on. So let me back up a little bit. So I'm saying I want five beam routines. If she falls in the first routine, let's say she falls on a free cartwheel, I'll say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you feel that? And she'll say, oh, I didn't push up off my leg. Exactly. Okay, so I want her to identify the error. I will make her do it again right there and then. Now, the routine still counts as a fall, mm-hmm. but I want to see that she can correct it right away, which in, it, in itself feels like success. Yeah. But if she can't correct it, it means she doesn't understand it because no kid wants to fall. So unless she's sick or she's tired or she's injured, if she's healthy and today's a, a normal day, mm-hmm. I expect her to stick. And it's a matter of, I will intervene if there's a problem. So will I say, you have to stick five routines, and then they're there 10 routines later, 20 routines later? I absolutely don't do that. Because all you're doing is practice makes permanent. They get very, very good at whatever they're practicing. So if there's the constant falling, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And I'll first look at myself. What didn't I do to get through the technical components of that skill to her? And so we'll say, okay, stop, get it on the line. Yep, that's better. Do you need one on the low beam? Is there a fear factor? She might need one on the low beam. Okay, let's put it on the high beam. Oh, there you go. Okay, let's get back to work. Let's get back to routines. So I am a big believer in intervention, and that is to prevent the feeling of failure. I don't, oh, it's okay that you fell. Don't worry about it. First of all, they hate repeating the skill, and they know I'm going to make re- repeat the skill. So they're going to try extra hard to do it right the first time because they know if they hit the ground, I'm going to say, do it again. Now, if it's a show, if it's a control, I don't intervene. They have to be able to go through the whole routine with me, without me, without my keywords, without me intervening. And I have to see what they can do on their own. Mm -hmm. And we do that quite often. But if it's a, just do five routines today or three for three or do seven routines today. Um, Quite frankly, I, I don't do more than seven. Uh, it's just a number I've, I've picked. I, I, I can see the quality in what they're doing. Five is an excellent number if you have excellent technique. I have been in training gyms with the Americans where they bang out 10 beam routines and they just bang it out. Mm-hmm. They are a, a special breed and their consistency and intensity is just phenomenal. So again, to answer your, your question, I won't let them go too far with yeah. failure. I, I'll stop it immediately. But I still want those five beam routines. So I might have to do an intervention, get her back on the line, make sure she understands her technical and game. Okay, let's continue. Yeah. So she still has four beam routines to go if there was a problem on the first or whatever. So I don't cut the number of routines unless they're sick or tired or injured. Yeah. But it's first as a coach, you have to be responsible in what you select to put in the routine. I never have the girl compete 100%. And I think this is where a lot of coaches and I as a young coach 
made errors in that. Sorry, when you say 100%, you mean 100% of the difficulty they're capable of doing? Exactly right. So <clears throat> if, if she has all of these advanced skills, and I am a coach that gets very excited about advanced skills. I love creativity. I love pushing that D score as high as I can. So I do love that. But I never have her compete everything that we're training. So I've always got a harder acro that she's training. I always have a harder pirouette. I always have a more difficult jump. So when she performs the routine, it's like, I've got this. Yeah. This is so easy. So I can't put an exact percentage on it. But if 100% is all the difficulty that we're training, and I train advanced skills all year long, mm -hmm. they're competing, I don't know, 75%, 80%. It's difficult to put an exact number on it. Yeah. But she feels ex the routine is significantly easier than her maxed out difficulty that she's training on a daily basis. So as we get close to competition, I don't say, oh, we won't train those skills anymore. For example, if the kid is doing, um, the athlete is doing flick layout, I'll have her train flick layout layout. And even if we only put it on a low beam, even if we're only training it on the line, I'll have her do the flick layout layout every single day. First of all, it makes the basic of a flick layout excellent because mm -hmm. she's learning to go up and it's probably a fast takeoff and it's a vertical takeoff. And so when she trains that to do flick one layout, oh, I've got this. She feels really good about it. So I'm always training more difficulty than they compete. Yeah. And so that's beneficial psychologically and in terms of just their general stability. Yeah. And, and I need to get ready. So if you constantly keep pulling back and saying, oh, well, we're in competition season now. That's your routine. That's all you're going to do. It only takes five minutes, an extra yeah. five minutes of beam training. And it's going to get you further ahead when you're ready for mm. the next competitive season. You've already got an idea of where she's going. Yeah. And I think, again, linking back to the Americans, this is why the Americans are so stable in competitions. Mm. It's, okay, it's the high volume, the high reps, and lots of other contributing factors, mm. but they do compete at 80% of what they're capable of. Yes. Even someone like Simone that's been, you know, she's had the potential to do even greater skills, which is, seems absurd because it it's... It seems incredible, yeah, really. because of what she can already compete. Yeah. But she's got loads more in the locker that she's yeah. just like, I just don't need that. And, yeah. I, and I think they've made some really smart choices with her. And that's it. I don't need that. Yeah. This is enough, mm. which is great. Just coming back, we're going to rewind a little bit. So mm. we talked about um, success. You know, you've got always intervene. I've seen that. It's it's magic. Yeah. It definitely works because you're giving them a reason why they've made mm. a mistake. Uh, there's nothing worse, I think, than mm -hmm. you not knowing what, what the problem is and just trying to be lucky. I had the same conversation today with one of the girls on Vault. So after they've repeated, let's say they fell off that aerial cartwheel, free mm -hmm. cartwheel, they've repeated it. Do they then carry on with the rest of the routine? Yes. Okay, so, right. Yes. So they carry it on. It's a routine with a fall. <clears throat> so if they're doing fall. recording, yeah. which I, I love my routine sheet, so I'll explain that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, it counts as a fall, even mm -hmm. though she's now stuck it perfectly. But in her head, it's, I've got this now. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then so she, she might have five to stick still. So that was a routine with a fall, yes. but she might still need to keep going. Exactly. Right. What if I'm just throwing hypothetical situations at you here. Is there ever a time where you just start again, ever? So you start off, routine again? Yeah, so you fall, you fall off, right, start again. I have done that. I don't do it a lot, but I feel if there's a distraction, if there was something really weird, if there's something almost no fault of her own, if, it, if, mm -hmm. if it's like, you know what, you, you are in a good headspace, I'm not sure what that was, let's start again. Okay. So I will give her that option, <clears throat> but not often. Yeah, okay, that's good. What if you've got five routines on the schedule and you bang out the first three they hit, they're beautiful, there's very little to take off. Now, I think certainly what I would react to there is think, right, I've done three out of five, they're gorgeous. The, from a psychological perspective, she's feeling confident, she's demonstrated consistency. 
Maybe the fourth one, I'm going to lose all that because she might make a mistake. So I tell you what, let's stop there because that was great. Let's move on to something else. Is that something that you do or you're tempted to do or is it really important that you just keep pushing through because you need volume? I need volume, but I need consistency. And so I have to base it on the individual competitor. So some girls, I know their level of volume has to be higher. Mm -hmm. So she will do five. And some girls will be just doing sheer perfection. And it's not that I'm afraid because you cannot show fear as a coach on beam. You cannot show that you think, oh, the next one, she might make a mistake. You can't do that. You have to show that you absolutely believe in their ability. And it's part of my coaching style is to get them to believe that they're great on beam. Mm -hmm. To get them, to, I talk about beam queens. I, I talk about you own this. I just constantly talk them up to believe in their ability. So if I stopped her at three, I would have to be very careful not to <laughs> say, you know, we'll, we'll stop there because almost like, wow, you got lucky. But I'll say, you know what? That was absolutely brilliant. I am so pleased with how you're, you're smashing that out and your consistency and your technical and your artistry. Bang, you, you're done. And she'll say, oh, do I need to do two more? No, not for me. You don't. They're perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you you're going to stop, it's got to be framed up mm. really positively as opposed to, okay, let's stop while we got, we're ahead. You know, we, we got lucky. But some girls just need more numbers. But it's very important it's not seen as punishment. Mm -hmm. So very often to get that intensity, I like intensity when they're on beam. There has to, I like a consequence, but not for punishment. Mm -hmm. So some days we'll come in and we'll say, you know, it's one or three or one or five. So you you hit the first routine. It's a light day today. You're done. You show me that you, you understand your technical. That's all we need. And now we'll just work parts or artistry or something else. But if, if you can't hit that first one, it's not punishment that you're going to do three or it's not punishment five, but clearly to be successful at the competition, yep. you need more numbers. You need to understand your technical and utilize the technical components more often. Mm -hmm. So it's one or three or one or five. Um, believe me, they try very hard to, sure. to stick that first routine. And again, if it's not, they're like, oh, no, 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 this isn't punishment. Yeah. Let's go work it on the line. This is going to help you. This is what you need. So it's very important to me that it doesn't appear to be punishment. Another hypothetical situation, because mm -hmm. I think this is important for the coaches. If you had a gymnast that stuck three routines every single day, the first three, mm -hmm. so therefore, and they train six days a week, so then 18 routines, for example, mm -hmm. is it enough? Ooh, good question. And I'm, um, and I'm not talking about the week of a world championship exactly. because you would say, yes, because that is enough. The because, week before yeah. worlds is more than enough yeah. um, uh, but, for me. Yeah, yeah, for, and for me also. But yeah. if you if you were in the um, volume block. That's a really good question. For me, probably not. It's yeah. probably not enough. Because it's that balance between, okay, you've got the consistency, but yeah. we still need reps. Yes, yes, uh, you do. If that was all I was doing. If they had only done three routines for those six days, but I also... I'm doing dance into a skill, dance out of a skill, and I'm saying it's got to be five for five. Mm -hmm. That means if they wobble, you're at zero, you start again. Then I might say three routines is enough because I'm still getting my technical under intensity yep. in their afternoon training, for example. If we do routines, I like to try to do routines at the time of day they're going to compete. So mm -hmm. if you know what time they're going to compete, it's evening, I do it. Oh, CA, let me do the routines in the morning. I'm fresher. Sorry, you're competing at night. This is why we're doing the routines later in the day. So then our technical components, our fixes are done in the morning. And we isolate a 
particular part. Mm -hmm. Dance in, do the element, dance out. But again, there has to be a consequence. There has to be that pressure. There has to be that intensity. So I want three for three if it's a really big skill. If it's a normal skill they've had for quite a while, it's five for five. And I'll say, any wobble, you start at zero and, and you go again. There's huge intensity there. Yeah. So I'm getting what I want. It doesn't always have to be in a routine. If you're ready to take your coaching to the next level, then you'll want to take a look at my exclusive Inner Circle Coaching Program, the most comprehensive education and support package available for gymnastics coaches, offering members unprecedented access to me and supported by other internationally recognized coaches within my global network. But that's not all because Inner Circle members enjoy monthly member meetings, weekly group calls, one-to-one mentoring and support, a private Facebook community and VIP event upgrades too. The Inner Circle community currently includes members from four continents, so wherever you are in the world, you might be a great fit for the program. You can request further information about the Inner Circle program by visiting nicksinnercircle.com and filling in a short form. Now, back to the podcast. Yeah, and it's the same as, again, doing sections of your bar routine. You know, yeah. you, you get through your bar routine, mm-hmm. but if you say you've got like six bar routines, I mean, most kids are going to be a bit disappointed with I, that program. But if I you say you've got three and then you yeah. break the rest down, you can get equivalent volume, can't exactly, you? Exactly, exactly. And I always try to work around that one skill. So if it's a spin double or whatever it is, I'll say, uh, yeah, we're going to focus on that. So do this, 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 the spin double and come out of it. And great, there's one. So it's not just spin double, stop, spin double, stop. It's not just not the one skill. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's artificial. Mm-hmm. I don't do circuits. I was about to ask that question. I yeah. know a lot of people do circuits. Can you just def- quickly for the audience, just define what you mean by circuits? Well, it's not my word, to be honest. It's um, from another program. So they talk about circuits. And, and recently in Portugal, we had some athletes there. And they're saying, oh, I'm having her do circuits today, which means you literally take out all the dance and you just do the the back, elements back, to back, back to back to back. So if it's free cartwheel stop, and then she'll walk backwards, and then free walk over stop, walk forward, and then she'll do a spin and walk backwards, and then to do a standing tuck back. I guess for me, I don't understand the concept, mm-hmm. especially in today's artistry world where the judges literally want to see the routine flow. We never have enough time to practice dance, do the element, dance. Dance, do the flick layout, and keep moving and dance. That's really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So if you're just doing isolated skills, I think for me it's missing the point of what I want them to look like and perform like in the competition. So I don't do circuits. Yep. I do dance into and dance out of because it's amazing. They'll stick flick layout, layout, and then take two step backwards and wobble or do a half turn which isn't in a good releve and have a little wobble. Because the the focus is on the big elements, whereas the half turn you can lose just as many marks as as something else yeah. on on two feet, you know. So I want that flow. I want that dance into that dance out of, and it's very difficult to get that that natural rhythm without practicing it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you don't do circuits. No. Cool. I've never seen you do any complex type uh, things. Yeah. So like, yes. I guess like I don't want to say intricate movements on the beam, yes. but. And I, I, not that I teach a lot of beings, I don't these days, but I probably wouldn't either because I find it a little bit fluffy. Um, What's your thoughts on it? You always see me when I have a group of girls in a limited amount of time and I don't have girls that are sick, injured or 
coming back after a long holiday. Mm. So for me, beam complex is a wonderful thing if they're sick, if they're tired, if they're injured, if it's the beginning of a season and they've had a long holiday. But my complex is significantly different than most. My complex is, okay, what do I need in the beam routine? What do I need her to do? I need her to have great releve. So I have loads of releve. I need her to move, move, move. I need fancy footwork. I need chasses. I need assemblé, chasse, changement. I need move, move, move. Not stand and balance and take the leg out to the side and put it down. And then pick up the other leg and balance and take it out to the side and put it down. For me, I'd never put it in a beam routine. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in balance. Yeah. Um, I know it's balanced beam. For, but for me, the first thing I talk about in my, in my presentations, it's tension beam. And you're in control. It's control beam. It's tension beam. So I don't do the typical beam complex that you see a lot of people do. Very similar to a ballet bar. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. With little ones, I'll get them to run back and forth on beam. I want them to be able to be confident enough to be able to run to one end and turn around and in a releve position, do a half turn and run back. Yeah. That's going to give me something rather than stand and balance and... So I'll do a lot of jumps. I'll do a lot of landing drills in a, in a beam complex and things I want in the routine. I do certain drills for, for leaps and I put all of those drills in. I do a takeoff drill, which is really fast and it's really vertical. So keeping with those five steps Mm -hmm. and I'll do, um, it's a drill I call kick, kick, pull, but basically it mimics the entry of a change leg, a switch split leap. It mimics the kick out to a full split of the switch split change leg leap. And then the pull position. I never, ever practice anything to land with the leg up behind in a slight arabesque position because the child never learns to connect. So if I'm doing a sison, I'll land and the foot immediately pulls forward. So after she kicks out to a beautiful, fast, aggressive split, then I want just as fast and aggressive the leg pull to be in the front. Stable. Stable, Mm -hmm. with her arms beautifully wide. First of all, it's gorgeous, but it gives her stability. Some coaches practice land the leap and land with the leg up behind. For me, I know I want connections, Mm -hmm. so that's counterproductive for me. They're practicing balance by landing in arabesque. They're being very slow because if she has to hold her leg up, she's not going to whack it out to a full split. The jumps tend to be a bit smaller because they think the priority is to hold my leg up when I land. And that just slows everything down. I want that leg to come through lightning fast while she pulls back her arms. So it's that kind of thing I put Mm. in beam complex. Just directly relates to what I want them to do in the beam routine. Yeah, and you're about aggression on beam, aren't you? It's yes, a bit, I am. Being I am. aggressively confident yeah, yeah. and knowing how to how to manage that energy and stop that energy as well. Exactly. So it's like produce exactly. the energy, stop the energy. Stop oh, it. I like how you said that. Produce the energy. I'm going to use that line. I like it. Yes. Cool. I, you know, I talk about fast takeoff and yeah, everything vertical, yeah. but exactly produce the energy yeah. and stop the energy. Yeah. And it is amazing how, how controlled they become. It's, yeah. it's exciting to watch them, actually. It is, yeah, because it's. To see it them bring, progress like that. Yeah, and it brings yeah. um, a dynamic energy, you know, just, just being aggressive. It's, mm. it's nice to watch. It's really mm. cool. What do you want the girls to think about? while they're doing a routine because and I've had I've had this question asked recently the, um, it was actually um, one of my inner circle clients was referring to one of their men's gymnasts and said look I don't know how to get this guy to stick his routine and I was talking about the cues that you would use and I was suggesting that he should get the athlete to think about 
those simple specific cues for each skill because you don't want them thinking about five or six things mm-hmm. it might be one or two things is that a similar approach to you on being do you want the kid the athlete to think what it is that you would be telling them as they're about to go into the skill mm-hmm. or is it different no it's exactly that mm-hmm. because what i'm telling them is exactly the technical that we've practiced so with regard let's pretend it's going to be a free cartwheel an aerial cartwheel the takeoff is down fast, up fast. Then she's got to kick fast to get that leg over the top. And then she has to look for both feet and then hit the finish. So when I'm coaching her, I'll say, up fast, kick. So just one word. It's like, up, kick, look, pull. So when she's doing it, she's saying those words to herself. Yep. I want their mind to be so busy on their technical, down, fast, look, pull, whatever the word is that I'm using, she starts using as well. And it keeps her mind busy. It's not, oh gosh, here comes the aerial. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mom's watching me from the stands. Oh, there's so many people in the audience. Oh gosh, I hope I rank at this meet. I hope I qualify. So many thoughts can go through their head. So when I teach them the technical, I, I literally use short, yeah. fast, one-word cues with them. And that starts to go in their head. And so they're literally only thinking about their technical. So right before they compete, I'll just say, be technical. Use your technical. Yeah. And in training, we when it works, and I'll ask, why did it work? Oh, I felt I was really fast up up of my leg. I saw my landing. I stopped the energy. Brilliant. That mm-hmm. works. Okay. So we talk in training about trusting your technical. It's never about try harder. You're going to get the kids, and I hear it all the time. She's so good in training. She always sticks, but then she goes to the competition and she falls. She's trying harder. She wants, oh, this is the competition day. I'm going to try harder. And in the gym, we'll talk about, don't try harder. Do exactly the technical. It's not about trying harder. It's not about going faster. It's about doing exactly what we do technically. Yeah. And I hear those cues. I can hear them in the back gym. Here. Yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> loud. I'm loud. You know, I tend but, to be a little but, bit loud. But that's great because it's yeah. the it's the the energy you bring to that yeah. cue rather than just saying, you know, straighten your legs. Yeah. and Yeah. You've got you've to gotta have the cue that goes with the action. Yeah. And we talked about all, all takeoffs are fast and to stop the energy, it's immediate. It has to be on impact of landing. If you wait, the energy kicks kicks through the body and it, and you wobble or you fall. So, yes, I tend to be a little uh, loud and uh, a little sharp with the words. And it, it just seems to help the girls a lot. And then once they are on to routines, then as we're getting into the, the competition mode, then then I pull back. Then I'm not saying them anymore. Yeah. And then if there's a problem, I'll say, well, what were you thinking? Oh, I forgot to push up off my leg. And, and then we'll say, say up. Mm-hmm. You know, so in her head, it's like, up, look, pull. So they're literally working every part of every skill. I don't allow the girls to throw a skill and hope to stay on. That means I failed. I have not got them to understand what the technical components are. So if it looks like a chuck and a throw, then I have failed and I start again and I get her down on the line and we literally work every part of every single skill. Yeah. Do you get the kids to do visualization off the beam? That's such a good question. I'm, I'm just thinking again about linking the cues while they visualize. Yes. Um, I just don't know what um, you do What I don't do is I don't close their eyes. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm such a visual person. And that's the, the bread and butter of the program that, that works for me. And for the athletes, I, I have the privilege to coach. I never have them close their eyes. So I see coaches do the close your eyes, visualize the routine. Very few athletes are good at that. What I will do is I'll have them do a dance through on beam. And when they get to the flick layout, layout, they'll stand there. They'll do a straight jump. They'll walk backwards. 
usually when girls do dance routines, they get the flick layout layout part, which is a backward acrobatic line, and they'll turn forward and they'll walk forward across the beam and then continue their dance. So I will have them mimic every single part. So they'll stand backwards, do a straight jump, walk backwards, see their first foot, see their second foot, do another straight jump that mimics the takeoff for Mm -hmm. the layout see the first foot, see the second foot, and go all the way through and finish with a landing drill, yep. handstand landing drill. So it's that type of mental and physical rehearsal mm-hmm. that I do. I don't have the girls close their eyes. Early on, we had sports psychologists come in, and some girls, when they close their eyes, they see themselves falling. They're not in control anymore. Other girls, some psychologists say you should see it as if you're watching yourself on a television screen, and some say, no, you should feel it internally and it should be personal to you. I haven't found a lot of gymnasts really good at it. And so it's not something I've depended on. So yeah. the visual for me is so crucial. The finish and stopping energy. If you don't get anything else right, if you just get those two things, you're halfway there to being quite successful on beams. So I don't do mental rehearsal to jeopardize those two components mm-hmm. that are essential to my program. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about routine recording. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's something that's quite interesting to me. Yes. So in terms of monitoring performance, yes. in an ideal world, how would you do that? I love to monitor performance, but I hate to waste time. So I make up a routine sheet book for them. So when we decide what's in the beam routine, I'll type out, this is the mount, then you do aerial cartwheel, then you do free walkover, la, 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 and I do it all the way down. And beside it, I'll put the values so they'll know if there's a point one for connecting bonus, whatever the connection bonus is, or three element bonus. So that's there also. And then I'll have it set up so there are there's room for seven routines on a page. Yeah. And for each routine, there's a column, fall, major mistake, minor mistake, stick. So all it says is F, M-A for major, M-I for minor, and S for stick. So when you look at the sheet on the left-hand column, you're going to see all the skills written down in order. Right beside it is if there's any bonus for connection or three-element line. And then you're going to have full major minor stick and then full major minor stick for seven routines. So all she does, because I hate to waste time in the gym and I don't want them sitting down and I don't want them writing a novel. That's precious training time so she'll just go tick 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 if it was a major mistake which means she didn't connect or there's a big wobble that's tick major mistake if there was just a whoop a little tiny one but you connected it minor mistake if you stuck you you tick under the s the first column fall they have to color that box in in big black i want the whole box colored in it's a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. They don't want any black boxes on their page. They want tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And I can immediately look at the page and all the ticks, ideally, are on the right side of every routine and they're all in the stick column. Mm-hmm. And if there isn't, you say, oh, the aerial wobbled again. Oh, it wobbled again. It wobbled again. Okay, I haven't done my job with the aerial as a coach to get her to understand how to stick this aerial free cartwheel. Yeah. So it's a matter of it's really fast. She literally, because you've done all the work, typing up all the skills and the bonus. And she just goes, tick, 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 tick. Oh, I fell on that one. Colored in, colored in, colored in, tick, 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 done. And if I'm timing the routine, I'll yell out a time if she's finished and she'll write the time down as well of, of the beam routine, because that's a good indicator of, of how they're progressing as well. So I love it. It's incredibly visual. 
Um, for the little kids, if they go through the whole week and they've had a great attitude, you know, you can add the sticker on the, on the routine page and that kind of thing. But so it, you can make it as young as you want. Yeah. Or for my older athletes, they love it because they can just flip through the book and they can see where those black blobs are. Those are big falls. Those are those are mistakes. And they don't want them. Mm-hmm. They love to just go tick, 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 all down, stuck, 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 all the way down. So it's super fast. But it's very informative, and then I just collect the books at the end of the day, and I just flip through them, and I just make sure that we're on track. Yeah. Okay, so just finally, in an ideal world, how long would you spend on Beam a Day? This is such a great question. And in my program in Toronto, we sat down and we said, what wins competitions? And it's Beam. Now, Vault has a skewed advantage, okay? (laughs) So with the Vault score, we might have to revisit this question. But nine times out of 10, what wins or loses your competition is being. So we agreed that if they train an hour on bars, they're an hour and 15 minutes on beam. So we would spend more time on beam. If you can get beam twice a day, get on beam twice a day. Mm -hmm. The longer you're on a beam, the better it is. If you're doing things that are progressing forward, you know, if you're not repeating mistakes, repeating mistakes and practicing failure, but the more time you can spend on a beam, the better. So I love an hour. I love an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I can do beam all day long, quite literally, and because I want everything. I want all the leaps, and I want the pirouettes. So I want every girl to do a spin double. I want a great dismount. You know, I, I, I want a creative mount. I, I, want, I want it all. <laughs> I want as much time as I can possibly yeah. get on beam. But, again, you've got to make it enjoyable for them. They have to say, oh, that's cool. Let's move on to this. It's not... How much longer do we have to go? So again, that comes from your passion. That comes from your excitement, your your commitment to them to get them to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you could fill an hour, hour and 15 with a eight-year-old, nine-year-old? Yes. Yeah? There's yeah. Just always stuff yeah. you to be doing. And sometimes they're not on the beam. I'll take them trampoline, do trampoline leaps and things. That's, okay. You know, yeah, there's all sorts them. of drills and all sorts of things that we can do. Now... Very few programs have the luxury of having that amount of time. So whatever you got, you have 30 minutes, you make sure you're using 30 minutes. You make sure that they're really, really actively progressing as opposed to what's next, coach? Mm. Now what do I do? You know, that sort of thing where they, they just sort of waste time and it's there's a lull. I love the energy. I like, love the passion. I like the excitement of being. So with that, let's think about your priorities. How would you structure Let's say a coach had 45 minutes and beam a day. Let's say that's probably about average is 30, mm-hmm. 35 for most clubs, I would say, certainly in the UK. Okay. They're not in competition period. They train mm-hmm. five days a week. Let's say they have a Thursday and a Sunday off. So like, how would you decide what you're going to do each day? Mm-hmm. Do you have the same thing every day? So you always do 30 minutes of acro mm-hmm. and then, and then uh, sorry, 20 minutes acro, 50 mm-hmm. minutes dance, for example. Yeah, exactly. Or do you do like a dance day, then an acro day the mm-hmm. next day? No, uh, I probably do acro every single day. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. Because when you leave it, that's when things start to slide and that's when fear can set in. So I like that consistency. And it's not always right to the big acro. If the girl is doing flick layout layout, we'll do flick jump, flick jump. Okay, now flick layout jump, flick layout jump. Okay, now flick layout layout. So I'm always moving forward with basics and never go back. Oh, let's go back and work on our basics. I'm always moving forward with basics. And I, I I slide basics in to the program every single day. So if she's doing free cartwheel, great. Give me a fast cartwheel. Free cartwheel, fast cartwheel. So if you look at your beam program, predominantly most of the time is spent on acro. The next amount of time should be spent on your leaps and your and your jumps and your pirouettes. 
But don't forget about the mount and definitely don't forget about the dismount. I find that most coaches forget about the dismount. So even if she's not doing the round off, rebound drills, punching off straight legs, legs have to be stiffer than the beam. So if you, I find that coaches just kind of teach the round off and expect some magical thing to happen mm -hmm. popping up in the air. And it's so hard for a girl to punch off a beam now. Yeah, yeah. They're so used to the spring of the floor that they don't know how to be rigid enough to punch through a beam. So I'll do lots of rebound drills on, on beam and then we'll get to the round offs type of thing if that's what the dismount is. Sure. But I do like to do all the components a, a lot. And then if it's a light day, then we'll just dance into, dance out of. And if, you know, they're, they're a little bit sore or they're a little bit tired, then, then we'll spend more time on artistry. Mm -hmm. Awesome. See, thank you so much for your valuable time again. We've had a long day, haven't we? We have had a long day. We've got the morning off. But so it is lovely. always an absolute pleasure. And, and we're both honored and privileged to work with all these fabulous athletes. You're absolutely so right. We have a very cool job. We do. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree. Thank you very much, Sia, for adding so much value. I know the audience will love this again. And uh, who knows, maybe in the future there'll be a part three. Pleasure. Pleasure is mine. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Gymnastics Growth Show. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes or your chosen podcast player, subscribe, leave a review, and share the show with your network. See you next time. <laughs>